0: They said that the main difference between picky eating and archid is through picky eating it's a lot about having choice and control. With archid, they show like extreme fear and anxiety.
1: Hello, welcome to Life With Ed, the podcast, and this is the Need A Week series, episode three. I'm really excited today because we are talking about a topic we have never talked about really on the Life With Ed, the podcast podcast. So Today is all about ARFID. For those of you who don't know about ARFID, it is avoidant restrictive feeding intake disorder. We're going to be doing a lot more with this in the coming year. You'll have another um, person on the podcast, Jenny Friedman, if anyone follows her on Instagram. She's the autism nutritionist, but she'll be on the podcast later this year. But today we are hearing from a parent. Her name is Tiana, um, and she is going to share the story of her and her daughter who has autism and ARFID. Um, She says it much better than I can, so I want to get right to it. But today we are bringing awareness to other types of eating disorders, the ones that aren't talked about, not the big poster name, anorexia, not bulimia, not binge eating. This is ARFID, um, often seen in very young children and also children with other disorders, so autism, ADHD, ADD, so on. So without further ado, this is Tiana telling her story about her daughter, Ryan. Yeah, thanks so much for your interest in being on the show.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, so tell me a little bit about um, who you are, (laughs) so my listeners know, and then um, when you first heard about ARFID.
0: Okay, so my name's Kiana. Um, I am a mother to my daughter, Ryan. Uh, She was diagnosed with autism when she was 18 months old, Um, about the same time she got her feeding tube placed in. Mm -hmm. Uh, For a very long time, we kind of went... About her eating from a sensory point of view, um, it was very just straightforward. Occupational therapy, feeding therapy, and speech therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we did that for six years before um, RFID even was mentioned to me. Um. And what ARFID is, is avoidant restrictive food intake disorder. It is considered a eating disorder, right? which is completely different from what was diagnosed on Ryan previously, where it was purely sensory.
1: Right, and more uh, like some, because of autism, right?
0: Yeah, it was completely... Her feeding issues was completely sensory-based, which was considered a symptom of autism. Um, and with autism and ARFID, it's not uncommon for the two to kind of go together right um, With ARFID, it's anxiety. it's a fear of food. It's even though like you hear eating disorder, most people when they hear eating disorder, they think like anorexia, bulimia, it's a fear of gaining weight where ARFID is just like a fear of the actual food going into their body.
1: Right, It has nothing
0: to do with weight gain or body image. It's the fear of having to put the food in their mouth to chew the food, to swallow the food, how they're going to feel after they eat the food. There is a sensory aspect of it, but with ARFID, they address the psychological, the behavioral, the anxiety that comes from eating, where with autism, it's more like sensory, um, where they're more afraid of, like, how it feels, like the touching, like the texture. Um,
1: Not as much about you can going of see in. kind the
0: connection between yeah. the two. It's just treatment is completely different
1: for both. So who was the first person who mentioned ARFID to you? You told. You said it was a while after um, you were in other care.
0: Ryan's nutritionist mentioned it. Um, Because we've been in feeding therapy for so long and we've had no mention of getting her feeding tube removed, Mm -hmm. um, she still completely depends on that supplemental feed. Despite how long we've been in feeding therapy and occupational therapy, they've noticed that a lot of What's going on is she will go and she won't show a huge, like, aversion. There are a handful of foods now that she does show aversion to Mm sensory-wise, but a lot of it is just her making up kind of, like, irrational reasons to why she doesn't want to be around food, try food. She will... Eat the food, and then come up with reasons why she doesn't like it, where it's not so much sensory, where she just doesn't like the feeling.
1: Right. So once she, yeah, so once your or her dietician sort of mentioned ARFID, how did treatment change for Ryan?
0: So there aren't a lot of ARFID programs out there, especially ones that will accept. Um, those that are Ryan's age, they usually wait till they're older, about 12
1: mm-hmm. and up. That's um, odd because it's younger. Like, younger kids have RFID typically. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's something that can start as early as six months. Um, right. And I'm lucky enough to live in an area where there is a program that was about 40 minutes. It's like a 40-minute drive away. Mm-hmm. so we did... We applied to get into the program. She was accepted. It was a four to six, it four to six weeks, um, every single day, Monday through Friday. So, of course, I had to do it during the summer. Right, so yeah. So I would not do it at school. Um, when I did go, I noticed that there were people that were traveling from Houston, from out of state, um, saying that their children were too young for the program that was available in their state. So we had people from all over coming in, bringing their children. Um, the age range was very drastic. Ryan was the youngest, um, and then it went all the way up to 12 uh, for at least for her group. Um, and all the kids were different. All the versions were different. The only thing that they had in common was severe anxiety towards food. Okay. So, um. Treatment was completely behavioral, psychological. They didn't even address sensory. Uh, It was mostly cognitive behavioral therapy. So different
1: from what you had before.
0: Very, very different. Because we've done um, sensory-based programs where we stayed in a hospital for one or two months.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. We've
0: done several of those, and it was purely sensory-based. And when you say sensory-based
1: to someone who has no idea, like what does that mean?
0: like touching Um, the food like treatment's very medical very Mm -hmm. clinical we sit in a room um they kind of have like a data sheet and they're recording like their weighing of the food they're having them touch the food taste the food Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like baby steps they're not even looking into um like the
1: stress behind it or the reason behind it
0: yeah it's like if Like, they don't move forward. So, I know, like, when we did our inpatient in the hospital, it would be six treatment sessions a day. If they ate, they ate. If they didn't, they didn't get to eat. Mm. So, I wasn't even allowed to supplement um, milk until after a certain amount of time because they wanted her to feel hungry.
1: Yeah, that's so hard.
0: (laughs) Yeah. She actually lost weight during that program. Um, just because if they didn't take their bite of their unpreferred food, they never got their preferred food.
1: Right. And so how did treatment for ARFID seem different?
0: So ARFID was different. It was a completely, it was like a choice and consequence, cause and effect.
2: Mm -hmm. So
0: they weren't, it's not like they were restricted from being able to eat their preferred foods. We would pack preferred foods on top of unpreferred food, Right. And then we would set up challenges. So the challenge would start off trying the food. So all they needed to do was take a bite. Mm-hmm. And then they would, um, then that would be fine. So it seems very, very small. All they had to do was take one bite of unpreferred. But for a child that has orfid or sensory issues, one bite is a huge accomplishment.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Especially from like a parent aspect. Um, And we would set up, the consequence prior to even starting the program, so we would have to pick what our child loved for Ryan's technology. So we would have the day set up in kind of like six sessions, breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, snack, and they would either get a plus or minus. So it's either they accomplished what their challenge was, whether it was taking one bite, um... And, of course, that would gradually move to bigger challenges over the course of time to where one bite would be like eating half to eating all.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And it was off of us as parents where we weren't punishing our kids, so they wouldn't think of it as punishment. It was more of a consequence of their choices. So if they chose not to partake in their challenge... They didn't earn their most desired item.
1: Right. So So instead of punishment, it's like lack of reward.
0: Yeah. So it was kind of like a consequence to their choices. It was completely their decision. All of the control were in their hands. So if they really, really did not want to do their challenge, if they really, really did not want to choose their food or eat their food, Um, they were making the choice not to have their reward for the rest of the day.
1: And how did Ryan do in in that sort of therapy?
0: There were certain things where she would be, I don't want to try the challenge. I don't care. I will just go to sleep when I get home. Mm -hmm. I don't need technology. So that's kind of like my way of kind of seeing what foods were really, really big anxiety driven. Versus like foods where she just didn't really like it, but if she really wanted technology and she wanted her tablet, like she would eat it just so that she could earn her reward. Mm -hmm. So that kind of split things to a point where it brought her to eat things that she didn't necessarily eat before but it wasn't so much of a challenge for her to where she was willing to give up her tablet or video games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in her head, she was able to overcome some of the anxiety because she thought, uh, I need to do this to get what I want.
1: Right there. So there's less foods that are as scary maybe.
0: Yeah. I, I think there's just more motivation mm-hmm. and it's, it's really easy for when you do it as like a punishment, like you have to eat this or I'm not going to let you have that. It's more of if you don't eat this, then you're choosing not to have this.
1: Right. So it's, it feels more empowering to them maybe.
0: Yeah. Um, she's definitely very um, in control, like in all areas of her life. She likes to be in control of, the task that she does, um, she needs like time notification. I usually give her warnings like thirty minutes before bed, fifteen minutes before bed. She likes to be in control of her life. Um, so I really was surprised that I didn't acknowledge that prior. Mm-hmm. Um, just because growing, like just raising her, has been very sensory. Clinical, scientific, right, um, and no one really addressed the emotional part of it. And when you think of a child and you think anxiety, you're like, "Well, that's silly. Like, they're a kid. What do they have to be?" What are they stressed
1: about? about? (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. And it's funny because they even mentioned putting her on anxiety medication, which I was against. Like, I refuse any form of anxiety medication, even if they felt like it would help her with her eating. I feel like she's way too young for me to put her on anxiety meds, and it's better to address it behaviorally mm-hmm. and emotionally, as a parent, like, just talking it through. Um, I made coping bins for her, so when she does feel anxious, all she has to do is ask for a coping bin. Mm-hmm. Um, she can ask for, like, sit out where she gets a one-minute break, and then I'll set the timer, and once that timer goes off, she knows she has to go back
1: to yeah. doing what
0: she was doing.
1: So how, like, what, what is the most challenging part as a parent of watching a child, like, go through and, and try to recover from ARFID?
0: Um, I think it's easy for someone to make assumptions and think that it shouldn't be so hard for them um so sometimes at least like with my family I know that they'll put a plate of food in front of her and she'll get really anxious and upset and they'll be like it's just food it's not hard
1: yeah and
0: it's very important to put yourself in their shoes and kind of get an idea of how they're feeling because even as adults regardless, like we all have our preferences. Um I know like I am a vegetarian, so there's foods I choose to remove from my diet. Mm-hmm. So it's really it's really hard for me to parent her and tell her that she needs to eat things when there's things that I don't eat. So it's confusing for her and it and it's confusing as a parent. Like how do you explain to someone that their avoidance of food is different from my avoidance of food.
1: Right, yeah.
0: That my form of avoidance is acceptable while hers is unacceptable.
1: Yeah, that is really hard.
0: Especially uh, for a child.
1: Yeah, 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 And so what advice would you give to another parent if um, they, you know, found out their child had food? Be
0: patient. <laughs> and... That's, like, the biggest thing. We've been dealing with this for pretty much her entire life. hmm and, and she's
1: six, right? Six or seven?
0: Uh, she's eight.
1: Oh, eight now. Okay. She still
0: has her feeding tube. She has been in therapy for as long as... for. She started therapy before she could even talk or walk. Mm. So this has been her life for a huge chunk of time this is all she really knows um and for someone to see like how long we've been in therapy they would assume that she would be so much farther than she actually is but in my eyes she is like so much farther yeah compared to someone else looking in
1: you can see all Uh, the incremental steps that she's
0: taken yeah it's so silly because my parents tell me all the time they're like I thought the doctor say that that tube would be out, like, years ago. And I was like, yeah, she still has it, but we use it half as much as we used to a couple years ago. Like, a couple right. of years ago, we used to give her four cans of milk a day. Now I only give her two, milk, two cans of milk a day. That's huge. So, yeah. even though she's progressing slowly even though she has moments of regression where she'll go two weeks without eating and I'll have to do more tube feeds, She's still a lot farther now than she ever was. And I think that a lot of parents, especially when they're just first starting out, they get really discouraged by regression mm-hmm. without acknowledging that even when they do regress, they're still farther than they were before.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Thank you so much, Tiana. This was really enlightening, I think, for a lot of people who don't understand ARFID at all. And um, I get a lot of questions like, is ARFID really any different from just picky eating? Um, and yeah, I think your story really shows yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. It's definitely different. Um, I I think they
0: gave, they gave me a sheet saying, like, the differences of the two. And It's hard when you are a parent for a picky eater and you are afraid that it's more than just picky eating. I say never be afraid to speak up when you're talking to your doctor. Um, But they said that the main difference between picky eating and ARCHID is through picky eating. It's a lot about having choice and control. With ARCHID, they show like extreme fear and anxiety.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: It's that anxiousness. Um, usually if it's picky eating, they'll just get, they'll get angry and be like, no, I don't want it. Whereas someone who has ARFIDs, they like break into a sweat. They like look really scared. They run off, they hide, they try and avoid all situations, even going, even going to like birthday parties. My daughter doesn't like going to birthday parties because she doesn't know what kind of food they're going to have. Right.
1: Yeah, so I always
0: feed her before. And I'm like, you don't have to worry about the food. I'm going to feed you before.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, thank you so much. Um, I really enjoyed having you on and telling your story and Ryan's story.
0: Thank you. I hope uh, even if this just helps one other parent that
1: would be a success. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to rate and review this show. It really helps other people find the podcast. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or you want to share your story on the podcast, please email me at worth your W E R T H your wild nutrition at com. Again, this is Julia worth your host, and I am so happy that you joined us here for the third episode of need a week.